Welcome to Farming Eternal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, or Padamaro, and Hats on Lamps. It's episode 53. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. This week, we're going to talk about how our draft week went, thinker patrons, card of the week, 7-1 run breakdown, and then... In a new twist, we're not doing a main topic. Instead, we're going to do a full draft as well as, if we have time, commentate a game and see how that goes. So uh, let's begin. So Hats, how was your draft week? It was okay. Uh, I had a little bit of trouble earlier on uh, in the week. Uh, had a couple of had a couple of bad drafts in a row, and and then every now and then when that happens i kind of double down and and sort of get angry at the game and do one more draft and 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 do well with it and that happened this time too so i managed to draft a pretty good tradition deck with a lot of relics and some uh some some fun relic synergy and and went seven wins with that so that's the last draft i've done and so i guess uh According to the laws of, of drafting, I feel pretty good about myself now. <laughs> and the next time I fail, I will feel bad about myself again for a while. And uh, and, and and thus the, the wheel of eternal turns. How was your draft week? Yeah, my, I've been doing the same thing where I've been losing and then drafting again in frustration and then losing again. Oh, that's a twist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry um, to hear that. You should try the way I do it. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds much more appealing. I'm not sure why I haven't been doing that. Well, I'm sorry. What seems to be uh, what's what 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 seems to be happening? I know we talked about this a little bit last week, but um, what are your opponents doing that's scuttling your plans? Um, well, I don't. I don't actually know. I know that I kind of talked about this um, yesterday. Um, yesterday in your stream but it really feels like my opponents and i are playing two different formats <laughs> where <laughs> i keep playing against like really good and actually it's kind of funny because i just looked at the stats for this episode um so we'll talk a little bit more about it in the seven win run breakdown but i just looked and um so far in our seven win decks ftj and fts are the two winningest archetypes and i am playing against a lot of those but then when i draft it's been so hard for me to make like a consistent three color deck because mm. i'm just not getting the fixing i need i feel like and all the good cards are double influence so i keep ending up with these three faction decks with double influence and three factions and just feeling like I can't play my cards and then just losing. Or I play a two-faction deck, but have to start playing some like questionable cards to make a two-faction deck work. Sure. Or feeling like I'm missing out on like a deck's overall synergy, you know, by by missing the third color in one of these three color supported factions. But then my opponents just have like I mean, I, this is a little bit like a woe is me, but like then my opponents just keep having like FTS decks with Carver in yeah. it and just like their three factions of influence and seem to be doing quite fine. So 
Yeah, I've begun to live in terror of seeing uh, a mysterious waystone, just mm -hmm. the, the five-power relic um, at the end of your... It's a cursed relic, and at the end of your turn, you, know, you lose one life, and your opponent who played the relic on you gains one, but then that number increases every time they sacrifice a unit. Because yeah. I know if somebody has that in their deck, I'm probably doomed. Like, they probably have backup for it, and it's going to be so hard to race that thing. Because uh, yeah. I think we've gotten to the point in the format where people aren't trying out cards just to see if they work. They know they work, and now they're drafting around them. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing, thing I think I'm doing is I think maybe I'm not going far enough in my learning from my opponents. Because I, I keep trying to draft decks that beat me. Mm -hmm. And when I lose to them, they feel unstoppable. But then my opponents seem to be able to stop them. And maybe I should be drafting those decks <laughs> instead of just the decks that beat me. I lost a bunch to like these uh, Griffin stall decks. You know, the 1-5 that plays the Electropy. Yeah. And then I drafted... I drafted a triple Griffin deck and a double Griffin deck, and I just could not stall my opponents out. My opponents just kept doing way better things than what I was doing, trying to deal two damage a turn to them. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know. But then every time I face these Electropy decks, I'm just like, oh, can't make it through a 1-5. I guess I'm dead this game. So yeah. It just probably... Like, yeah. There's probably an episode in that somewhere, which is sort of the difference between having the cards that, uh, having the sort of meat and potatoes cards that make uh, that make a draft archetype, and having the cards that actually make that archetype worth drafting. You know, like the real power that goes into it that makes it a winning deck, because you you can't really make a good deck just by sort of putting a bunch of cards into it that you see in other good decks. Oddly enough, you'd think that would be all it takes. But what you need is the reason that you're in that deck in the first place. And I'm kind of rambling here because uh, I would need to be specific about an archetype to talk about that. And I'm not really ready to do that because I haven't thought about it in a while. But it's something I've thought about uh, talking about for a, a while now because it's sort of like because I've done the same thing where I've sort of um, tried to imitate what I've seen doing well against me, and there's a missing there's a missing piece of that where I'm not uh, where I'm not getting into it for the right reason. I'm just sort of trying to to mimic it. Like uh, I think actually I can come up with a bit of an example. In the last format, I lost to Mill a lot. Like a couple of weeks in, it seemed like all of the top players had caught on to. To drafting Feln and Ravens and and a mill deck, and I was just getting, I was losing to them all the time. But then when I started drafting mill, it just didn't come together. Um, it and I can't tell, I can't tell you exactly what flipped. But when I started drafting mill properly, uh, then I started winning, and it was almost mysterious. But I, also, I was committing to it in a way that I wasn't. Um, before I was, I started drafting Mill as a racing deck where I was, where I was trying to, um, where I was no longer trying to defend myself. I was actually trying to mill out my opponent as quickly as possible, and that was when I started actually winning. Um, and I was at first drafting it as a control deck that would eventually beat my opponent through milling. Um, 
and then I found kind of a balance between those two things that was just about the right ratio of uh, mill cards and defense cards, and that was where it actually lived. Uh, if you didn't have enough eviscerates or hard removal, your opponent was very likely to play something that could outrace you, and so that became a necessary element. Not just like, oh yeah, all removal is always good, it's a necessary part of the strategy, and especially if it's an eviscerate because it advances your game plan. Anyway, uh, for any archetype in this format, there's something like that, I feel like, where you can draft cards that look like they should go in a deck, but it's not actually going to work unless you have the key pieces that make it an actually powerful deck instead of just a deck that kind of works, if any of that makes sense. I wish I could be more specific about a deck in set eight, because that would be more helpful to the current situation. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I get that. There are just like, you know, I feel like that could happen with Mysterious Waystone. You know, yeah. where you know you can lose to Mysterious Waystone, but that's not nece- that's not necessarily an easy deck to come together or to do well. You know what I mean? You need to build the correct deck for that. So even yeah. when you're losing to it, it's not necessarily the Mysterious Waystone that's killing you per se. It's the whole deck that's really killing you. Yeah, I think that's a good example, because I haven't had any luck drafting Mysterious Waystone and, and actually putting it in a deck at this point. I have drafted a Sacrifice deck and a Mysterious Waystone, and then I had some very good advice to take the Mysterious Waystone out of the deck, and I went seven wins with that deck, because it was very good once I took the Waystone out. Doesn't mean that it's bad when my opponents play it against me and destroy me. That just wasn't yeah. the right deck for it, because I had, in that specific deck, I had a lot of large units that could attack and become finishers. So I didn't need Waystone, because that's what Waystone's purpose is. And Waystone doesn't have the advantage of being able to attack and block, so my large units uh, that could end the game were superior in that case. But if you need a finisher and you don't have one of those, then maybe that's the right finisher for your sacrifice deck. Or if you have an incredible amount of sacrifice energy, Waystone's just going to be obscenely powerful, and then that's another reason. It's all it's all very complex. Yeah, I guess that's my trouble with elect, uh, the Griffin though is like that. It's just like a strong card. So like I feel like if you're in Primal, you just draft them. Yeah, that's how I because feel it's them. not like Mysterious Waystone where you could be in Shadow and it's like and you might not pick it up or if you see it late, you might see it as a sign that sacrifice is open and then change your drafting strategy. It's like I'm in Primal. I draw. I draft the Griffins because they're good. It's a good card, but then you get a you get like a certain number. You know, you have a deck with three of them, and it just feels like, you know, this <laughs> theoretically should win me the game because whenever my opponent plays two of them against me, I lose, and that 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 was not happening. But like, I don't I don't really even really know what I could have done better. You know, because well, I I drafted all the cards in those in those colors and then tried to make a deck out of it and i don't know maybe it just wasn't a good deck and i was like trying to rely too much on yeah the griffins don't really win the game on their own like they event like if your opponent can't break through then they'll eventually get pinged to death but it takes a while you you do need to be able to do something that actually makes sure that they like eventually they're going to draw something that can break through the griffin and then you have to be able to deal with that so i don't know yeah, uh, and I feel like I was, especially with the Griffin, maybe I should just make this my card of the week. <laughs> not too late. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll cut that last thought and make that the card of the week. <laughs> All right, we can, we'll continue this conversation in a moment. Okay. 
<laughs> so yeah, so before we get there, uh, we do like to take some time to thank our patrons, who you can um, you can't check them out. You can check us out at Patreon.com/slash/FarmingEternal, where our patrons have checked us out and decided to donate to the show to help support us and keep the show running, which you can do for as little as a dollar a month. And then you can gain access to show notes, recording bloopers, as well as nudge us towards our Patreon goal. And so we also like to take the time to thank all our patrons. So thank you to Mercurio Blue, Abinego, Meagles, Madness, Titus and Blossom, Parmalee, Darth Herman 2, Twin Hex, Cassandrith, Jed the Homerid, Raven Dragon, Esrich0215, Sunblaze, Work Done Sun, and Yisto. Thank you, patrons. So, yep. Thank you again. Okay, card of the week. So my card of the week is that Griffin that I was talking about. Oh, Darren Griffin? Dar- nope, nope, not Darren Griffin. Not Darren Griffin. Different Griffin. Yeah, see, uh, I Plague, audible, Plague so I Griffin. don't have a picture of it, so I don't even know its name. It's Plague Griffin, I think. Let's Plague see. Griffin, Let's look which up. is a four primal primal one five with corrupted six and... On summon, it plays an Electropy on an enemy unit. And the Electropy is at the end of... Or is a Cursed Relic, and at the end of your opponent's turn, uh, it deals one damage to them. Yes. Not a Curse. It's, it's a, just a Curse. It's not a Curse it's Relic. A, no, it's not a Cursed Relic. It's played on a unit, so yeah. that you can get rid of it by uh, silencing the unit or having the unit die. Griffin's not good against Sacrifice decks for that reason, because they can get rid of it. Yes. Yeah, the other problem also is... Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of problems with this card <laughs> for some reason when I play it. Is like, you know, you were talking about... I forget what you were talking about, but maybe it was like the mill deck where you, you still needed a finisher. Like, mm-hmm. or, you know, well, like a lot the of these strategies... Deck, what? The mill deck problem was that uh, there's there's an upper end to how effective mill cards were. Like, you would get a Wretched Raven, and then maybe you would get something like uh, Sadistic Glee, which could me- mill a whole bunch of your opponent's cards uh, at the same time. But you were probably trying to, like, ping them to death with with Ravens and then maybe finish them off with uh, a Malaise or something like that. But there's not an upper limit on the strength of the cards that your opponent could be playing against you to try to damage your life total. So eventually they would start playing more powerful cards than your Ravens, and you needed stuff like Eviscerate or some other way of delaying them to uh, keep those things from killing you. So it was a deck where if you didn't have removal, you were pretty much done. Whereas other decks, you might just have better threats than your opponent and you wouldn't need removal. With the mill deck, there wasn't any such thing. You had to have removal in order to make the deck work because every game your opponent would eventually be able to start damaging you faster than you were... um, faster than you were milling them unless you had a way to, to, to stop that. So okay. it was that was the problem for that deck. For the stall deck that you're talking about with Plague Griffin, I'm not totally sure what makes it actually work, other than drawing a thousand cards off of uh, off of Tainted Mark. <laughs> yeah, I maybe that's the, the thing that I was missing, is never drawing those two cards um, <laughs> in the <laughs> same game. But yeah, because one of the things that I, the issues that I dealt with was the fact that once you put uh, like two electropies on a unit, then you feel like you have to stop attacking in the ground because you don't want your right. opponent to kill off the unit, which is 
Which is then going against... Because unlike Mill, this you are actually still trying to kill the opponent. And so it felt like you were almost like neutering your... Like a finisher of sorts was like... Or a strong ground unit was neutering your game plan. So either like you, your electropes were doing nothing or you had to stop attacking with your ground units, meaning yeah. you were doing nothing. And, you know... And even with two of them, you know, doing two damage a turn is still, you got to be, it, that's a long game to hope your opponent draws nothing. Yeah. Um, I, I think the Griffin deck kind of need play Griffin is happiest when you have a lot of other flyers, basically, I think. Mm -hmm. I think you, it's really, it, for exactly that reason, I think it's really hard to combine Griffin with like large attacking units on the ground. Kind of, you kind of need to be able to attack them in the air and then, and then that adds up to, uh, then the damage that your Griffin curse is doing is is going towards the the damage that you're doing with your flyers as well because a, a lot of times Griffin can't attack because it it's your biggest blocker too so you have to right. leave it back um, and then you're attacking with like humbugs and stuff to to do the remaining damage yeah so I I think there's definitely a way to make this work because I do keep losing it losing to it but mm -hmm. I've been having trouble beating it especially when my opponents always have perfect influence in their three faction decks yeah that's nothing you can't do anything about that yeah um yeah so what's your card of the week my card of the week is also a primal card um i chose frostbite chrysalis uh it's a card that i don't see people play very often uh but i still like it uh it's uh, six primal primal a four six unit it's a mandrake and uh it says when you play a relic stun an enemy unit um, and I'm thinking about this card because I just had a 7-win deck with two of them. And it's probably the best deck I've drafted to put Frostbite Chrysalis into. Because I had nine relics, uh, most of which were uh, very powerful ones. Uh, ones that you don't see that often. Uh, like uh, Oasis, the card that um, gives you plus two power. Um, and then you, can, uh, then you can sacrifice it later to invoke on time. And a waystone fragment in there. I had uh, Avagraft. Like I had a bunch of really good relics. And what I found uh, is that once I had a frostbite chrysalis on the table, that game was over because anytime my opponent put any kind of problem in my way, I would probably have a relic in hand that could stun it and then also have the effect that the relic would have. I also had like a sorcerer's wand. It was a ridiculous deck. Um, so. But I had a couple of like st like starter relics, you know, like uh, two power relics, and I got in the habit as I was playing the deck of not playing them if I didn't need to because I knew I had that pair of chrysalises and I knew that those were stuns every time I got to play them. So I don't know how often chrysalis is great, but it is a it's a reasonable size for its cost. Like a five five for six is a reasonable card to play in draft. Not great, but not bad. Um, and this is a four six. Uh, if it ever stuns an enemy unit, then it's done an amazing job. So I I think it's a decent finisher, but obviously you don't want to have to play it if you have no way of activating its stun ability. Um, but I, I, I guess I like that kind of card because uh, it's also an uncommon, so it's not like you're your packs are going to be filled with them and you have to think, oh, do I have to play this six drop? Sort of like... Uh, Sort of like the Sunset Enforcer, where you're like, do I have to play this because I'm playing Sacrifice or I'm in time and I don't have any other big units? 
I'm seeing a bunch of them because they're common. Do I have to put these in my deck? Chrysalis is much more of like a thing that you'll see pretty often that you can take if you do want a large thing to actually finish the game with in your deck full of neat relics. Um, and it's a really fun card to play with, too, because you get so much control over what your opponent is able to do if you have even one relic in hand. Because unlike uh, unlike uh, Frostkin, the Geralt's Frostkin, the, yeah. the, the perennial... Uh, for primal 3-3 three, three that stuns a unit when it comes into play, that doesn't get to attack the same turn it stuns a unit. Whereas Frostbite Chrysalis comes down, and then on your next turn, your opponent has no idea what is what they're going to be able to block with. They're in so much trouble if you untap your <laughs> when Chrysalis is on the board. So it's a it's a neat card. I think it's worth it's worth the six power, um, but also it's a narrow card. So it's a it's it's one of the one of the cards that I. I as kind of one of my pet, kind of one of my favorites um, because I don't get to play with it that often, and it's fun when I do. Yeah. Have you encountered it in the wild? I have never played against the card nor yeah. played it. Yeah, the only other person I've heard talk up this card is Tempest Dragon, who kind of likes this card too. But I've never, like I said, I've never played against it. It just feels like a little underrate for an uncommon. Like, even yeah. in the Relic deck, I feel like I'd almost rather have uh, the Rage Heart Paladin. I mean, obviously, they're not, like, totally analogous. And, like, the stun effect on this is, you know, a, adds a different angle to it. But I don't know. You're just, even in a Relic deck, you can only play so many Relics. I know the one you got seven wins with had quite a few. But, like, I don't it know. Nine. Actually... It had nine Relics. It's not, yeah, like, a I, ton. I, I that that's I mean I think that's a fair fair number of relics. It is, yeah, I mean, um, more than yeah. I guess I'm yeah yeah. You're true. You're right. That's a fair number of relics. That's not the whole deck though. <laughs> no, no, I know. But what I just mean is like, I don't know. I guess I found a lot of my like TJP decks to have in the five to six relic range, and I don't know this. It just made this card not super exciting for me. You well, know, I'll tell you like one thing. Five cost or had like another stat somewhere, two stats even. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the floor for Rageheart Paladin is worse than Frostbite Chrysalis. Uh, if you don't have a relic in play, then it's a 4-2. And it does have lifesteal, so if you're racing, it's good. But uh, it's tiny. Whereas for one more power, this is always a 4-6. Uh, it's never smaller than that. So at least it's consistent there. Um, and uh, But I would have played a Rage Heart Paladin in that deck if I'd been able to pick one up. But another thing that I did is once I had two of two Chrysalises, is I started pushing really hard to get cheap relics. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like taking stuff like, uh, like uh, Siege Provisions a little higher than I normally would. Um, and that also helped me play, I think I had... Uh, uh, the Prospector, the 1-1 one, one Endurance that becomes a 3-3 three, three if you have a, a Relic in play. Yeah. One that let me play that as well. So it became kind of a thing where I was able to pretty reliably play cheap Relics, and it made all all of those cards that play well with Relics work a lot better. Um, but I got a little lucky, for sure, because I got access to a couple of things that um, I wouldn't that that uh, if I hadn't had them would have made the deck a lot weaker. It was just sort of one of those cool decks that happened to come together and you can't really plan for. 
Yeah, no, no, I'm not. I'm I'm not criticizing the deck at all. I'm sure. Yeah, it was an excellently drafted deck. I just mean like, I, in general, I'm still. I don't know. I guess I just part of it is I just don't like cards like this that require you to draw your cards in a certain order. Sure. Um, and so I think that's maybe one of my bigger problems with it because I it's it. It's conditional, so I mostly think of it as a six cost four six, yeah, and that's just not exciting to me. I think that depends on what effect you're talking about it having. Uh, repeatable stun without any investment of power is stronger than it looks at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, um, like I don't think there's anything else that can do that actually. Uh, there's there was the one one like muster uh, uncommon the snowstorm druid that every time you activated muster it could stun something, and that was tiny and it was hard because you had to play muster. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's an unusual ability. So it's uh, I think it's hard to estimate exactly how strong it is until you have it in play. Because even if you activate it once, like I, like if, since it's not a summon ability and the chrysalis gets to sort of lumber in after you've stunned something, it does feel like it feels. I don't know. It feels strong. It feels like it gives you a lot of control over the game board. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a. I mean, it's also probably not going to be the only unit on the on the field at that time. Uh, but also, you know, like don't just draft them and put them in every deck. It does have to have. You do have to have a a, a certain like. Uh, threshold of of playable relics before it's worth uh, putting this guy in at the top end, um, but uh, the floor is not bad. Like just having a four six on board, even though it's a little overcosted, is still fine. Like it's a big thing that blocks absolutely everything that your opponent's likely to play at that point. Um, there's not a huge number of things that can attack through it, even for the same cost. There's a, a few. And of course, there's always the eight eight giants that come out of Waystone Gate. That those come out on turn six as well. So there's nothing as big as those, but that doesn't count because that card's overpowered. All right, shall we move to our seven win run breakdown? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Probably some new stuff to talk about this week, right? Yeah, yep. We we got a few lists, so we do have a couple things to talk about. Uh, spoiler: time's still pretty good in the new format. So this is our data collection project where we take we get. Um, our listeners send in seven win drafts to farmingeternal at gmail.com or post them to the seven win channel on the farming eternal discord, either in exported deck list or any kind of eternal word cry link. And then we put them in a spreadsheet and we talk about them on the show. And thanks as always to John Holio for entering all the lists. Um, so this week we have a few new contributors, Max R, Pachi and pork chop express. And then our veteran contributors are A-Boss, Agent Dynamo, Ben Gracier, Caruthers, Collector, Commander Salamander, Darth Herman 2, Death, D-Dub, Fang Warb, Grander, Hats on Lamps, Ian B, Inoperable, Iris M, Jedi EJ, Kidlit1490, Meagles, Mercurial Blue, MLNTN, Nothership, Ulrich, Parmalee, Patamaru, Raven Dragon, Sir Dragos, Slamgo, Spiffy Man, Sunblaze, Tempest Dragon, Titus, and Blossom. Thank you for sending in your decks. So uh, the main things that I wanted to talk about, I kind of touched on this earlier. but um, So yes, time is still uh, top dog with 70% of d- decks include t- 
time in it that we've received. But that is much less than it was, which was sometimes close to 7580. Um, and then it seems like the two big winners were Shadow and Fire, who are now um, 50 in 54 and 58 percent of decks, respectively. And Primal and Justice are in the low 30s. So, and okay. and that kind of fits what I was saying earlier, where the top two decks by far are FTJ and FTS. So okay. the um, the Armory deck and the Sacrifice deck. And you'll notice both of them include Fire and Time. They do, yeah. Well, that kind of goes a little bit with what we were thinking about the... Uh about the about the rarity shift was that sacrifice was probably going to be a little better yeah and yeah what's interesting is we kind of thought and it's true i mean praxis took a hit and lost a bunch of good card or had a bunch of good cards uh drop in rarity but i it seems like maybe the cards that were added or changed even though individually powerful cards were lowered in rarity that uh sort of archetype cards that help the archetype did not disappear or were added. Yeah. yeah. And I think fire is a little stronger in general. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's not a, that's not a huge surprise. Uh, that seems, that seems about right. Uh, there also could be just people are wanting to do something a little different after, after a format's been going on long enough and experimenting <laughs> with some of the for, some of the archetypes that seemed a little bit more intimidating to draft at first, yeah. Because I because I, uh, I remember uh, uh, you uh, we went we went into uh, how difficult it was to draft the sacrifice deck well, and maybe people are starting to figure that out and uh, be, and and draft it a little more confidently as well. I don't know. Yes. I I that's what it seems like. I've been seeing a lot a lot yeah. of fire, fire time. So have I. Yeah, well people are putting Kindling Carver just sort of into their deck without like uh a second guessing it as far as I can tell because I see it all the time now. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing it at the uh, very much at the beginning of the format even though it was the same card and there were just as many sacrifice targets. Yes, I agree. And then the only other thing of note is that the number we are getting a few more two-color decks now than we were. It's still closer to a three-color format, and so we're averaging two point eight colors per deck. Um, and before we were averaging over three colors per deck. So, I mean, so that makes sense with less fixing in the format too. So yeah, yeah. it's nice when the numbers back up our predictions. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now I think we're going to go on to the main thrust of our show, where we're going to attempt to do a full 48 card draft in podcast form so so let's talk about this first pack it's terrible <laughs> uh, the rare is a deafening word which is the one one justice uh, fast spell silence a unit with cost three or less in each copy in your opponent's hand deck and void not a good not a good card for limited i don't think uh, the uncommons are an outcast elite. That's the two one unseen with Aegis that gives other unseen random battle skills when you play them. There's a spellbound vestige, which lets your, which is the relic that lets your dragons cost one less and gives uh, spell damage. And then an essence feast, which deals one damage to each unit and gets bonuses when your um, opponent has uh, has a certain number of cards in their void. Uh, none of those are first pickable, in my opinion. I agree. 
So how about uh, the commons? The commons, there is a rectifier. That's our, uh, that's the classic. It's a three-time 2-1 unit <laughs> that silences another unit when you summon it, and it has a corrupted 2 ability, so it can uh, sacrifice itself to do it again after it dies. Uh, there's a will breaker. That's the justice card that weakens flyer slightly. There's a switchblade deadeye. That's the 2-1 that gets plus 2, plus 2, and it has a jet battle skill in shadow. There's a fanatical stranger, spellstorm stranger, pause for reflection in front of Zealot. Really, the only card that's worth first picking in this pack is Rectifier, and it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. None I of agree. these others are, are really any good. So let's just go ahead and take that and see if Pack Two gives us some more to munch on. Yeah, I have been seeing more Switchblade Deadeye. Cosmos, mm -hmm. I feel like is always playing that. And then you lost on stream, and then I immediately lost right after that to. Um, isomorphic playing switch yeah th there's nothing wrong with it i don't think it's i still don't think it's something that you would first pick but it's it's a fine card in in some decks for sure yes that's how i felt about it when i first saw it and then i just kind of got away from playing it because shadow was kind of bad and then um now it's probably a lot better again so yeah isomorphic put a um put a morning star on it which is three plus three plus three and overwhelm so it was just immense Okay, so pack two. Okay, so there's cards that stand out for me. I guess I should... Timidity isn't really a card that we would pick up this early, is it? So uh, let's skip over that. There's a Corpse Bloom, which is a seven, power, uh, seven time time. Seven seven uh, has Endurance. Uh, summon put an enemy unit into its owner's hand, and then it has a very cheap corrupted cost of three. After it dies, it becomes a shade that can bounce another thing. Um, there's a Blade Crafter, which is the four Firefire 2-2 two, two, that uh, draws a weapon of your choice from your deck when you summon it, and it has Corrupted 6. Uh, let's see. There's a few tokens. There's a Token of Tradition and Token of Menace. There's a Turn Back Time, which is the card that can draw any card from your Void for 3. There's an Infamiliar Interloper, which is the Stranger that, uh, that gains any influence of your choice. It's a 1-2 two for 2, um, and it can do it again because it has Corrupted um do you have any thoughts on this pack i think it's a pretty easy corpse bloom yeah i think so too corpse bloom is a solid finisher um gives you control over the board on the turn that you play it and then it has endurance so it's almost like you played two units so yeah. you might as well pick that up after a strong first time pick corpse bloom is the kind of card that i wished your crystalis was yeah it's bigger for sure yeah okay so uh, this pack, uh, the uncommons are Touch of Force. That's the spell that gives one of your units double damage and a unit, weapon, or spell in your hand double damage as well. There's a Display of Creation. That's the Fire Time Justice uh, spell that can draw two random sigils or silence incoming enemy units and give them minus two attack or give one of your units plus two attack and yourself two armor. There's a Mithril Paladin, which is the 3-4 for six with Exalted, and it has a Mastery that lets you play a 3-4 Relic weapon. Uh, other cards that stand out as commons are Biting Winds, which is the three primal spell that deals six to an attacking enemy, and I would say the others aren't nearly on the same power level as that. Also, there's another Rectifier. What do you think? I think we take another Rectifier, right? Yeah, I have no problem with that. That seems fine. Um, that puts us in a puts us in a, a comfortable position of having three good time cards and we can choose our second or third factions later. So my question is, what common do you think someone took in this pack over Rectifier? Over Rectifier? And uh, Biting Winds. 
Well, Biting Winds is weird. I'll see those go later than they should, but I'll sometimes see Rectifier go later than it should as well, so I don't know. I can imagine someone say, taking maybe Brood of Aramot over either one of those cards mm-hmm. uh, if they like a 3-3 flyer better than the removal. But maybe we'll see one later, <laughs> although we probably won't because uh, the, whoever's taking them now will take more of them later. Okay, so this pack has still three uncommons. Uh, it has a Mark Maker, which is the 3-2 for 3 and fire. Uh, on Its summon ability is to play a plus one attack weapon with Overwhelm on one of your other units, and it has a Corrupted 2 ability. Uh, there's Dancing Flame, which is the cool card. Uh, five, uh, 5 fire, 4-4, four, four, that randomly when you draw it gets charge, plus 2, plus 2, or has its cost reduced by 2, so you're never sure what you're getting, but it's always a pretty good deal. And uh, the other uncommon is uh, Resounding Shockwave, which stuns every uh, enemy unit with flying. And you can reduce the cost of it by exhausting one of your units when you play it. The commons, well, there's a Felrox Infiltrator, which is the deadly unblockable for three in shadow. There is another Rectifier, and uh, everything else is just tokens and random nonsense. So I guess we can take another Rectifier here. Uh, There's a limit to the number of Rectifiers I like to play, but uh, it might end up being a deck where three Rectifiers is fine. They're still a good card. Yeah. Yeah, this is an interesting pick for me because it does look like Fire is also open. It does, yeah. Um, Um, And Mark Maker would be super good here. Yeah, and both of those are very good cards. And so this is like always a tricky sort of... Maybe this... Crossroads is too strong of a word, but but like, do you just stay on faction because Rectifier is a good card, or do you, or do I take this opportunity to start dipping into a second color? Well, honestly, I would dip into a second color here. Uh, like my first impulse was, oh, maybe just take another Rectifier, but then realistically, I don't like to play more than two Rectifiers in my deck. It's a good card, but there's a point at which I want to play things that can actually attack. Um, and Markmaker helps you do that a lot. Uh, it makes all of your other units better. I would take Markmaker over Dancing Flame, incidentally, here. I think it's just a more versatile card and also more predictable because sometimes Dancing Flame doesn't do what you want it to do. Yeah, sometimes it gets charged. Sometimes it gets charged, and it's like, oh, well, I wish I'd generated a little more aggression in this game, but mm, I guess, oh, well. Yeah. All right, I, I can see that. Um also, like we already have a seven-seven with endurance and no evasion, and putting uh, putting a plus one attack overwhelm weapon on that's very good. You know, like corpse bloom doesn't need any help to be good. Yeah. But the best thing, one of the best things you can do to help it is to give it overwhelm. Yeah, and not that we're like too stuffed up on threes currently, but does the fact that Markmaker is just like another three? downgrade it a little bit in your eyes or is uh, this like four picks four picks into the draft no no okay i'll take a mark maker okay so here we have a fear tracker which is a five shadow shadow five four unit uh that deals three damage to the enemy player and you gain three life when you play it and it has corrupted four well, the other cards worth noticing i guess calibrate uh which is draw a relic or power card from the top five cards of your deck for one for one time. And there's a Covetous Stranger, which is the 2-1 two, for two Stranger. Whenever one or more Stranger is attacked, their owner creates and draws a treasure trove. There's also a Fury Blade, which is a 2-1 Relic Weapon for one in fire. 
there's some justice cards. I I wouldn't say the best justice cards, but there yeah. are a few. Yeah, there are a few of them. Uh, it's worth noticing that there are quite a few justice cards, so it's either open or everyone would just agree that they, these aren't cards that you want to pick up this early. Uh, I would say Fear Tracker is by far the strongest card in this pack. Very true. And um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think Fear Tracker is by far the strongest card. I mean, this is also, you know... Yeah, so I think you still take it, even though we, you know, it puts us in a third color, theoretically. We don't really know where we're at right now. It's also worth noticing, if we take Fear Tracker, then literally every single card we've taken is a unit with Corrupted, uh, in case we pick up anything that has anything to do with sacrificing units. Mm. Very interesting, yeah. All right, so we'll take Fear Tracker here. Mm-hmm. Try to find our lane. Okay, there's another Mithril Paladin uh, in in the uncommon slot. There's a Pack Conjuring. That's the give a unit uh, plus attack and minus health equal to the highest attack in uh, among the units in your void. And if you decimate it by re- reducing your maximum power by one when you play it, you can invoke and get... Um, and get a random shadow card, or semi-random, choose from three shadow cards. So that's the uncommons. The commons, I'd say the only one that stands out is Rage Heart Paladin, which is, uh, we were talking about earlier, it's a 4-2 for 5 Justice Justice. It has lifesteal and it has plus health equal to the highest cost among your relics. Thoughts on this pick? I just take the pack conjuring here. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's an indication that Shadow might be um, open here. We're not seeing any more signs that Fire is open. We are seeing signs that Justice is open. Yes, continually. that is very true. Yeah. Uh, right. So this next pack has Abiding Winds, deals 6 damage to an attacking enemy. It has a Siege Provisions, which is uh, the 2 Justice uh, Relic. Once per turn, you can pay three to give one of your units endurance and plus two, plus two. Uh, also has a spellcraft of one to make one of your um, one of your units invulnerable on the turn you play it. There's a sunset enforcer, which is the six time time five five with pledge, and when you sacrifice another unit, it gets plus two, plus two. Switchblade Deadeye, which we were talking about earlier, the two one that gets plus two, plus two, and it has a battle skill. Okay, so I'm leaning towards. Switchblade Deadeye. Yeah, I think I am too. Yeah. Um, it's not the hardest thing in the world to make Switchblade Deadeye a good card. Uh, we only have one card right now that can do it, but uh, which is the Markmaker, which can give Switchblade Deadeye Overwhelm and immediately turn it into a 5-3 on curve. Uh, yes. But I think it's a fine pick here. I'm a little... Uh, I'm a little dismayed that we're missing out on justice, but it's this is one of those situations where we're at a point where like no single justice pick feels like it should make our deck, and uh, and so there's kind of a, re- a an okay relic deck just sort of like passing us by, but it's not like an exciting relic deck that I'm sad that I'm missing. Yes, I I agree. And this is kind of like I talked about this before on the show. How you I feel like you can always end up in time justice primal because there's just like I don't know. There's enough good cards and 
enough bad cards that you don't mind taking that you can kind of just like end up in the deck. Right. But yeah. I'm going to take Switchblade. Yeah. yeah, it's an okay pick. I can also see just like defecting and playing and getting abiding wins there, but um, it's fine. Yeah, huh. I'm less excited now that we see this next pack. Yeah, there's another Rage Heart Palette in here. So that okay relic deck is still kind of coming through. There's a Provoke the Dragons in Uncommon. That's the two damage, two power spell that makes your dragons go berserk. There's another Sunset Enforcer and a Spellstorm Stranger. That's the one force stranger uh, when that makes it so when strangers attack, their owner gets plus one spell damage until the end of until their next turn. Um, uh, what do you think? This is tough. I mean, you know, like the Sunset Enforcer theoretically fits the colors that we're currently in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm never really excited to play that card. I don't really want to play a Yeti Cookmaster, which is the only other card in in our quote-unquote colors. There is a Yeti Cookmaster, yeah. Um, and so I'm kind of leaning towards the Rage Heart Paladin. Like, we're a little late getting to the deck, but I don't know. We haven't seen a lot of fire anyway. No, so I don't, I don't know if we're really playing, you know, if we're going to get into a serious, um, you know, fire time shadow deck. And so... Yeah, I think it's unlikely. So I don't, I don't see a problem with taking a, a Rage Heart Paladin here. Okay, I, I don't have a. St- I, I think it's likely that none of these cards are going to make our final deck, but uh, Rage Heart Paladin is probably the strongest one, so that seems fine. Okay, so we'll take the Rage Heart Paladin. Sure. A lot of Cookmasters. Uh, so there's another Yeti Cookmaster here. Uh, there's also a Zelta, Ex- Zelta Exile and Succumb, which I'm not going to subscribe because they're generally pretty weak cards. Although I have been beaten senseless by Zelta Exile before, but so far we don't have a deck that's capable of doing that. Uh, but also there's a Siege Provisions, um, which I think is the pick here after taking Rage Heart Paladin especially. Yes, I agree. And I'll take the Siege Provisions. Um, and then, so we got into Justice a little bit late, but it looks like it might pay off. Uh, in this pack is a Dive Bomb, which is the the uh, four Justice spell that gives two of your units plus one, plus four in flying this turn. There's also a Token of Creation that can provide fire, time, or justice. And there's a Spore Spitter, which is a shadow card, best when you're playing Mill. But I think the Dive Bomb is a great pickup now that we're doing this. Yes. Yes, let's take the Dive Bomb here. It's one of the better Justice cards. Uh, And here we've got a Sunset Enforcer and an Urgent Missive, which is the one power fast spell that sacrifices a unit to play two 1-1 Cultists. Um, uh, I think might as well just pick up the Enforcer here. Yeah. There's a chance, outside chance we'll play it. And then the the last card in many packs, Rage. (laughs) The one power, no faction spell that gives a unit plus one, plus one. This turn. All right, so we're into pack two. Yep. There's quite a bit going on here. Oh, wait, so just a, a quick... Oh, let's take stock. Yeah. So right now we have cards in four colors, more or less. Um, I would say our time is still our strongest. We have two rectifiers, a corpse bloom, and we saw a lot of late sunset enforcers, and we took one. Mm-hmm. But... 
the rectifiers and corpse blooms we got early. We did. Um, in fire, we have the mark maker, which we picked pretty early, and then didn't really see any fire after that. Yep. Um, in shadow, we saw a late fear tracker and pack conjuring. Um, and then we picked up a switchblade deadeye, but then that kind of dried up too. And then it really looked like justice was open, and we picked up the very late Rageheart Paladin, Siege Provisions, and Dive Bomb. Yeah. So, so that's I'm not, what, they what, like. what are we hoping to get out of these next two packs? A little clarity, for one thing, uh, to make sure that we know what factions we're in, because uh, we can't really count on being able to do three or four factions easily anymore. And... Uh, right now, uh, I think we mostly just want to make sure that we have a solid unit base because that's where most, like our attachments and spells are justice and shadow so far, but mm -hmm. we only have a hand, uh, we only have three units that are either shadow or justice. And, uh, so we need just we just need creatures units that we can consistently play. I think that's mostly what we're looking for, um, and then decide what our faction what uh, by the end of this this second pack what our factions are are almost are most likely going to be. Uh, pack two, uh, we're into the curated draft pack, and our rare is Ela and Mizo. That's a five time time primal primal. Uh, six six it's got endurance. It's got a mastery twelve ability, which plays a copy of itself. Uh, powerful rare would be difficult for us to play at this point. Uh, there's a Befowl, which is the card that sacrifices two units to play a 7-6 Bane Wolf, which is a unit that uh, gets unblockable if it survives an attack, essentially. Uh, or if your opponent has ten units in their uh, void, it will make two Bane Wolves, and that costs four shadow. There's a Dragonforge, which is the fast spell for three fire that draws a dragon or weapon of your choice from your deck and reduces its cost by one. There's a Rooftop Vigilante, which is a three justice shadow, two, three flying war cry unit uh, with an ability that you hardly ever see, but occasionally is relevant, that says your units wielding weapons are deadly. Uh, that's the rares and the uncommons. I think notable cards down in the commons section are... Uh, dum -de -dum -dum. There's a... Not, not, nothing at all. <laughs> um, there's a Tower Top Patrol. It's a four, four time one five flyer. There's a Wretched Raven, which is the Primal Shadow one four for three flyer that mills your opponent. But I don't think that's right for us. Uh, I'd be excited about it in some decks. There's a Sunset Priest, which is the three shadow three three. And when you summon it, each player discards the top three cards of their deck. There's an Acanthus Outrider. Uh, which is uh, the six primal three three flying pledge uh, costs three less when you have a relic. Incidentally, the deck that I've been talking about uh, earlier had four of those outriders. Uh, that was actually one of the things that made it a good deck. Anyway, um, we don't have that kind of relic power here. Uh, I have a clear for pick out of this pack. Uh, do you? Is it rooftop vigilante? It is indeed. It's kind of exactly what we're looking for. It it is. Um, I I agree, though the thing that makes me a little nervous about Rooftop Vigilante is it... Does it feel like we're giving up on time in any way by going harder and harder into Arjunport? Uh, it does not to me. Rectifier is the main reason we're playing it, and Rectifier can be splashed. It's not mm -hmm. a card that you have to play on three. In fact, I hate playing it on three because usually what I'm silencing at that point 
is not something that I need to silence. So, uh, and then Corpse Bloom is a card that I've splashed. It's it requires double time influence, but it costs seven. So by then you probably have it. Yes. All right. So on to the next pick. Xena Cultist in the uncommon slot. It's a three shadow shadow two four. When one of your other units dies, that unit gets plus two plus two. There's a repulsive gorger. That's a seven shadow shadow seven four. Uh, summon ability, you may sacrifice another unit to give each and every enemy unit minus one, minus one. There's a Forsworn Stranger that uh, gets plus one, plus one for each type of influence you have, but starts as a zero, zero. Uh, those are the uncommons. Notable commons are a Combray Banner, which would give us time and justice. There's a Wormstone, that's the four-time relic uh, that turns into a 7-7 seven, seven sandworm when you play a spell. Um, and then there's also a Zoltan Paladin, which is a 3-2 uh, two justice vanilla unit. I think those are the cards in consideration. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I agree. And this is... This one's a tough one for me. I don't really know what I would do here. I feel like the Wormstone feels like the best card in the pack. Um, but it's kind of not in the direction that I feel like the draft has been heading. Um, so what do you think? I would probably pick up the Gorger here. Mm, you do like your Gorgers. I do like my Gorgers. I think that if you m make a Gorger happen, then if you make a Gorger happen in the sense that you use its ability when it comes into play... Your opponent's probably not winning that game, which is what I want in my seven drops. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll we'll, I'll take the gorger. Not that Wormstone would be a bad pick. It's a it's certainly a good card. Uh, but you know we don't have that many spells yet. We'd have to we'd have some pressure to pick up some spells. There's nothing wrong with it, but I do think gorger is a really excellent finisher. Okay. We'll take the gorger here. Okay, so pack three, well, there's a Slumbering Stone. That's the one shadow zero two. Uh, when it dies, you create and draw a two two gargoyle with flying, which costs two. Um, there's a Skycrag Wivark. That's in Primal, the five uh, Primal, Primal three three with flying and killer. There's a Seed of Chaos. That gives fire and shadow. There's a Magma Javelin. Uh, we're into the commons now. Uh, which is a 4-1 Relic Weapon for 4. There's another Tower Top Patrol, the 1-5 for 4 in time. There's a Praxis Banner that gives fire time. Uh, there's another Sunset Priest. What do you think about this one? You forgot the Civic Peacekeeper. I did forget the Civic... What? The the Civic Peacekeeper. I did forget it. Uh, so that's the 6 Justice 3-3 three, three with an Empower ability. Whenever you play uh, a Power card, you stun an enemy unit. Were you just saying that repeatable stun effects was very powerful? Yeah, it certainly is. This one's very small for its cost, though. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the reasons I like Frostbite Chrysalis more, is that it has an entire four extra points of stats on this thing. Yes. Otherwise, I mean, if Peacekeeper were larger, it would be a great card. Well, it would be, I mean, unlike, yeah, well... The, I think the reason it has to be smaller is you usually have 18 you do. ways to <laughs> stun a unit in your deck as compared to playing yeah. a relic, which 
it's funny how much of a difference though even though you can activate this repeatedly and i did forget this card existed when i was talking about this even though you can activate it repeatedly it doesn't put any pressure on the board itself so it's very reliant on other things happening well Mm -hmm. before uh it's not like peacekeeper is unplayable but it's you know it's not a card that i'm excited about okay um I would honestly just take a Sunset Priest out of this pack. Okay. Um, but maybe Slumbering Stone is still good, even though it was nerfed. <laughs> oh, I think it's still good. Yeah, I don't think the nerf made it a bad card. I think it was an absurd card when the 2-2 Gargoyle just came into play. Um, and now it's just, you know, it gives you an excellent card in your hand when it dies, because a 2-2 Flyer for 2 is awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, I actually would take the Slumbering Stone here. We we don't have a lot of ways to sacrifice it right now. We just have Repulsive Gorger, but it does block the ground really well, like, because people don't want to attack into it. Right. Okay, yeah, we can take the Slumbering Stone. Uh, so here we have a Seed of Impulse. Uh, uh, that's, the, that's the Fire Time one. There's an Infinite Hourglass. That's the one-time relic that gives your units endurance. And then in the commons, there are a few interesting cards. There's Vara's Favor, There's Vara's Favor, which is the two-shadow spell uh, with lifesteal that does one damage and draws a shadow sigil from your deck. There's an Argentport Stranger. That's the 2-2 two, two for two that gives you uh, Justice Shadow Influence. There's a Combust. That's, uh, that's a one-fire shadow card that uh, lets you sacrifice a unit to kill an enemy unit. Um, I think those are the best options for us. I I agree. And so for me, it's really between Argentport Stranger and Vara's Favor. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably true. It's difficult for us to go back into fire at this point. Otherwise, I would say Combust was interesting. Because um, yeah. we're not really I mean, playing Not that I've been overwhelmed with the Justice cards in pack two. So maybe... No. You know, I, I think there is an argument to say that maybe in pack two and three, you get your fire, and then in pack four, you're back to uh, time and shadow or whatever. Right. That's possible. I mean, we're not likely to pick up a bunch of great time cards in pack four. We might get a couple at the beginning like we did in pack one, but otherwise it was pretty cut. Yeah. Um. So, Vara's Favor is a legitimately good card in this format. There's enough things with one toughness that it's uh, that it's kind of a blowout if you can kill anything with it. Okay, so is that what you're leaning to? I over am the leaning Argent towards Stranger? that. Yeah, I would lean. O- I would lean towards Vara's Favor over Argentport Stranger for sure. Okay, so yeah, let's take the Vara's Favor. Okay, so we're all out of uncommons and rares. Those were the first cards p- picked from this pack. Um, ca- uh, cards that are standing out to me, if I guess Disjunction stands out because uh, it's that's the uh, that's the two-time card that draws an attachment from your void or kills an enemy attachment. That's in time. Uh, there's the Rotor Cycle, which is the uh, factionless two-three flyer for four. There's an Immortalize. Um, I really feel like it's just immortalized here. Yeah, and then there's also a Cinder Dragon if we're still talking about um, yeah, for fire, sure. fire. But immortalize is, is pretty decent here, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good card. We're happy to 
to see that. All right. So here are the uncommons remaining are Seed of Vengeance for Justice Shadow or Seed of Mystery for Time Shadow. And I, I'm pretty sure that in this pod that we're in, people are not picking up seeds early enough. And also in Shadow, there's a Fervent Siphoner. That's the one-two with Exalted for two that uh, gains plus one attack um, for each card that's been discarded that turn. Yeah. And uh, I like Seed of Vengeance here quite a bit. Yeah, I, I like that. I'll take Seed There's of also Seed of, Seed of Mystery if we want to be able to splash our time cards is also a, a thing. But I'm glad that both of these are Shadow Seeds. I don't know how likely it is that we're actually playing Justice. We've just got Siege Provisions, Rage Heart Paladin, and Dive Bomb at this point, right? Oh, Rooftop Vigilante, and we do very much want to play that. Yeah. So yeah, I think Seed of Vengeance is probably the best here. Okay. Uh, so in this pack, there's another Repulsive Gorger, and there's a Stone Scar Banner, which we give Fire and Shadow. There's also a Dark Wisp, which is the 1-1 one, one for 2 in Shadow um, that draws a card when it dies, and I think that should be our pick. You think you don't want a second Repulsive Gorger? I don't. I think one Gorger is the right number of, of Gorgers. All right, so we'll take a Dark Wisp. Yeah, Dark Wisp is the very best one of the very best things you can sacrifice if you have any reason to sacrifice anything. Oh. How about two Dark Wisps? Well, there is another Dark Wisp. There's also a Dire Fang Spider, which is a, the 1-1 one, one for 1 with Deadly. And that's possibly a better card here. <laughs> uh, huh. I don't know. Now, you know what? I think I would still take Dark Wisp here over the Dire Fang Spider. Okay. Yeah. I'm not sure how to justify that. I just feel like if you once you have two Dark Wisps in your deck, all of anything that sacrifices is uh, is like an insta pick, right? All right, and they're fine on their own. Here we have a Blackguard Sidearm. That's the three shadow plus two plus one weapon, and it grants quick draw. It's a, a solid card, and I, we might as well pick it, especially with roof, rooftop vigilante. Yeah, that can give anything anything other than Rooftop Vigilante deadly. Yeah. Or it can turn Rooftop Vigilante itself into a 4-4. Four four. Vigilante gets deadly, too. Oh, it does get it. Why did I yeah. think that only your other units got it? Okay, well, well I just for, I just it also can get deadly all by itself. It's great. Yeah, it turns it into a Flying Warcry deadly quickdraw unit. Yeah, they're BFFs. Um, and here there's a malaise, there's a gibbering jackal, and the spitfire. None of these are playable in our deck. We can might as well take the malaise. Uh, there's a sunset priest, which I think is a gift at this point in the draft, because we want units, and we have uh, an immortalized to get them back out of our void. And then the, our last pick, Thunderclaw Raven, and that's the end of pack two. Let's take a look at our deck. I like it better now than at the beginning of the, of the pack, <laughs> which is a good place to be, I think. I think yeah. we got a bunch of good shadow cards. We did. Um, yeah, we got a bunch of good shadow cards. Uh, we're really leaning heavily on on the draft packs being good for us in shadow because we didn't really get any good t see or get any good time or justice no. cards. No, we it didn't. really felt like shadow and fire to a lesser yes. extent were the open colors in packs. That's, that's true. Uh, so, yeah, do we want to run down what we have in our deck so far real fast? or Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, so the cards that we have right now, as far as units, we have a Slumbering Stone, we have two Dark Wisps, we have a Switchblade Deadeye, 
uh, Mark Maker, Two Rectifiers, Rooftop Vigilante, Sunset Priest, Fear Tracker, Rage Heart Paladin, Sunset Enforcer, Corpse Bloom, and Repulsive Gorger. Our attachments, the Siege Provisions, and the Blackguard Sidearm that we picked up. And then our spells are an Immortalize, Avara's Favor, Pack Conjuring, and Dive Bomb. And we currently have one piece of fixing in a seat of vengeance. Yeah, I think that's a fine place to be. Um, so, so pack three. Our rare is Mask Maker. It's a factionless four power three three, and you choose another unit when it comes into play. And as long as Mask Maker is in play, uh, all of uh, all of the units that share that character or uh, what's it called share that unit type. Yeah. Um, it's too small for me to read. <laughs> it's, uh, all of the units that share that unit, uh, share a, a type with that unit, get plus one, plus one. So it's kind of an obelisk effect for, um, for, for tribes. And for a tribe of your choice. And it's a unit itself. So that's our rare. Uh, uncommons are Ancient Excavator, the 4-6 for 5-time time, that uh, summons a relic from your void when you play it. Um, or draws a relic from your void. Whew, let me just take a breath. <laughs> I can't have forgotten how to read. <laughs> There's Ancient Excavator. It costs five time time. It's a four six. Uh, it, it, uh, its summon ability is that you draw a relic from your void. Okay. Uh, there's Last Rites, which is a fast spell. In I don't know if you need to read Last Rites. <laughs> okay, fine. Uh, I think it's okay in a sacrifice deck, but it's never something that you're excited about. There's a Slayer's Edge. That's the five two for five fire. Uh, which draws treasure troves for each uh, different name among your dragons when you summon it. Those are the uncommons and rare. Uh, in the common section, there's a spirit drain. That's the six shadow shadow life steal deal for damage to a unit. Um, there's a seek power that uh, that draws a sigil of your choice from your deck for one power. There's a bunch of garbage. I think that's it. Um, Spirit Drain and the Seek Power are the only commons that we need to look at. What do you think? I'm leaning towards the Seek Power, though. I'm a little interested now that you said that Last Rites might be playable. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly a thing that would be strong with Dark Wisp and Slumbering Stone, and it would do us and would serve a similar function in our deck. The only problem is if time didn't end up being one of our main factions yeah. then the last rights is fixing that we're splashing for which is not really something you want to do yeah i agree so uh, i think we should take seek power here okay we can take seek power i think if seek power weren't here then mask maker would be a fine pickup because it's uh it's a strong card on its own but i think seek power will give us um we might end up playing three colors here and seek power lets us do that more easily yeah you gotta start paying. You gotta. I just don't like Mask Maker because you gotta pay attention to unit types. Then, sure. <laughs> Who has that kind of brain power? No one. No one on earth. Uh, so here, this pack is a weird one. Uh, there's the rare is Skyward Seer, uh, which draws a unit with flying uh, from of your choice from your deck. If you've already damaged your opponent that turn, it's a one three for four. It's in primal. Uh, there's Elvish Swindler is another primal card. I don't need to read that one. Um, there's a Chancellor's Horn, and I don't think that we have anything in particular that we can get with it. So it's a very marginally playable card, and it's not playable in this deck. 
There are some other cards that are commons here, none of which are awesome, but there is a talent of Nostrix. That's a 2-2 relic weapon for two injustice. There is Stand Strong, which is kind of interesting with all our abilities to sacrifice things. Yeah, how many abilities like that do we have, though? Not many, though we want a lot of. We have a lot of things we want to sacrifice. So we're going to hopefully pick them up eventually. Yeah, we do have it's also units. I you will can... say we we have a lot of corrupted though. Yeah, that's 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 exactly the same thought that I just had. Is that and playing uh, this on a corpse bloom for corrupted three sounds sweet. Does that would be pretty fun? Well. <laughs> We can do that. Um, it's basically that it basically makes stand strong, kind of a big weapon, a fairly efficient weapon that you can only play on a turn when you sacrifice a corrupted unit. Yes, it. But what's interesting about stand strong, where it's slightly better than that, is well, I guess it's it's better and worse. It doesn't have the chart. Uh, I guess it's just strictly worse. The the thing I was going to say is no one is blocking your stand strong when you play it. So That's you true. do get some face damage. Yeah. But if it was just a weapon, you sort of have that charge ability that weapons have where Right. You know you're I mean? pro- the the unit that you're planning to put the weapon on probably isn't attacking on at the same time that you're uh, stand strong unit is attacking. Right. So it well, kind of adds up to the same thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind taking it here. It's kind of a dead pack in a lot of ways for us. There's a spite feeder. Like we're not going to play a spite feeder. So we can take a stand strong. Um, I don't. I don't anticipate it making the final deck necessarily, but um, we might end up with some other combo with it. Yeah. I mean, we could take a talent nostrix. I don't know. That's just not very exciting to me either. Okay, well, we can take a stand strong instead. I don't mind. Okay, this pack has a Kindo Shadow Step. Uh, that's a melee sort of card that we would have to go into Primal to play, so I'll skip it for now. Uh, there's a Seed of Chaos and a Seed of Cunning. The Seed of Chaos is Fire Shadow. Seed of Cunning is Primal Shadow. There's a Vara's Intervention. That is a one-shadow spell that gives an enemy unit minus two health or gives one of your units unblockable this turn or... Draws an unseen from your void. Do we have any unseen? Just switchblade switch dead, dead eye. eye. Unseen. Yeah, that's, that's it. So that's far. it. Okay. Uh, and so in the commons, well, there's a felon stranger that gives primal and shadow. It's a two two for two. There's a horned vorlunk. That's in time. That's a four time three four. Uh, there's a loyal watchwing. I guess I think that's a little bit less exciting. Yeah. Or one one for three with flying and war cry. Um, I would take yeah. Barrow's Intervention here. Yeah, I think it's, spell. it's a fine removal spell. And every now and then you can just kill your opponent with it because you give something unblockable. It does seem like Primal is sort of open this pack, doesn't it? Yes, it does. So here, the uncommons are Geminon's Choice. That's the Fire Primal choice uh, from set 7. Another Infinite Hourglass. Uh, notable commons. Uh, the primal car- commons that I'm talking about are a Sky Horror Draconis, which is the 4-5 uh, dragon flyer for 7 uh, that can play Permafrost on an enemy unit after it's done 5 damage. And then also Cobalt Acolyte, which is a 2-1 for 3 that gives a unit flying on summon. 
Um, there's also a Grodov Evangel in this pack. That's the 2-2 two, two for two-time time. When you draw it, you gain a time influence, and it has charge. There's also a Longtail Cavalry. That's a 5 just justice Justice, 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 justice. Only two justices. There's five justice, justice, two, one with flying and exalted. Uh, what are your thoughts? I think I have a, a clear pick here, actually. I guess I would take the long-tail cavalry. Yeah, interesting. So I considered that, and I actually think I'm leaning more towards the evangel. Hmm. And, beca- and this is because we don't actually have that much of a justice presence other than Vigilante in this deck that I'm excited about, but we do still have some really good time cards, and I would rather play those. I agree. I guess I feel like the Cavalry is banking on our on pack four being filled with Justice, mm-hmm. and the fact that we haven't really seen any time cards since <laughs> pick three of pack one, more or less. Sure. You know, it just feels like you're playing an Evangel to play our good time cards, but we might actually not get any more time cards. But I don't I don't mind taking the Evangel here. I know uh, there's certain members of our Discord are very high on cavalry. I I I mean it's fine. I like it's uh I I think the presence of rectifier makes cavalry a little worse uh because like it can be silenced for only three power as opposed to the last format where you at least had to pay six yeah. to silence it. Um, but it's not like it's a bad card. It's still fine. It's still a it's still a real problem for your opponent to attack into. But uh, I I it's you know it costs five whereas the evangel costs two and we don't have a lot of two drops. Okay, we can take the evangel. This is a good card for us. Um, this is uh, spec three. There's a bunch of cards on the surgeon saw. Yes. Surgeon Saw is a three shadow uh, plus one plus one weapon with lifesteal. Uh, it has a spellcraft three, so if you use six power on this when you cast it, you play Dark Return and get something back from your void and give it plus one plus one. One of the best cards in shadow. Might as well take it. And here, uh, in this next pack, uh, there's uh, Marsh Dragon and some other cards, and I think we just take Marsh Dragon. I agree. We take Marsh Dragon. And here... I mean, we're supposed to be in Shadow, clearly. <laughs> uh, the Shadow cards in this pack are Dire Fang Spider, the 1-1 with Deadly, and then Amethyst Acolyte, which is a 2-1 for 3 that gives an enemy unit 1-1-1-1 one, one, minus one, minus one permanently when you summon it. And I think that's a cool card, and we should pick it. Yes. So, okay, so this pack has... Uh, I'll, I'll no share you me reading Last Rites again. Um, but there's some, you know, there's no shadow. There's a couple of fire weapons. Uh, there's a Gerald's Frostkin, uh, which is the four primal 3-3 three, three that stuns an enemy unit when it comes into play. That's the best card in the pack. Um, we don't have any primal cards yet. But primal was pretty strong in this pack, but that's probably going to dry up in the last pack, so I don't, I don't think I care to go in on even a Frostkin here. Uh, but it's the best card. Oh, so you don't want the last rights? We can take the last right. Actually, yeah. You know what? Let's take the last rights. You're right. We might we might actually play it with Dark Wisp, Dark Wisp, Slumbering Stone at the beginning here. Yeah. No, you're right. I I kind of forgot we switched into time, even though it just happened two picks ago. Yeah, okay. So you, uh, you strong arm me into taking an. I made an impassioned argument. <laughs> I made a passionate argument and then forgot that I'd done it. That's welcome to my life. 
so in this pack, there's a tunneling gargantua, which we're not going to take. There's a blackguard sidearm. Uh, there's desperate gambit. I guess we just take the sidearm. I'm not sure if we play both sidearms, but it is a good card. Yeah. Uh, here there's a seat of impulse and a fragility and inflict conscience. Let's just take the seat of impulse in case we do need to play something in fire. Uh, there's a ruin and a topaz drake. Let's take the ruin. And the last card is Emerald Acolyte, which we probably won't be playing, but, you know, you never know. Okay, so now what we have is this, uh, you know, we have this deck. Uh, we've got a bunch of good shadow cards and then and then some other stuff, basically. Yeah, yep. that's more or less the deck. We, we have a couple medium justice cards from pack one, and then we have a couple good time cards from pack one. And we mostly got Shadow from those last two packs and a Rooftop Vigilante. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, we so definitely want to play the Vigilante, but also our time is still stronger than our Justice. And I think that would still be true even if we picked up the Longtail Cavalry. But we might see some more Justice in this pack. Anyway, so this pack um, is uh, our, the rarest Strange Rider. Uh, it's not playable for us, so I'll skip it. There's another Outcast Elite. We don't have any Unseen particular other than Deadeye, so I don't think that we need to worry about picking that one. Uh, there's a Shard Binder, which is a 3-1 for 2 in time. It has Overwhelm, the first Relic ability. You Spellcraft or Activate each turn costs 3 less. I don't think we have anything we can use that with at this point. Just, just Siege Provision. Let's see. Uh, the other uncommon is Unity Within, which is a spell that gives one of your units and each of your units that share a type with it uh, plus one, which is awesome in Stranger decks, but very rarely good in any other kind of deck. And the commons, there's a Token of Tradition, which gives time, justice, and primal. There's a Felrox Infiltrator. That's the that's our 1-1 one, one with Deadly Unblockable for three um, and a Devastating Mastery Attack if it ever gets to do five damage, which isn't out of the question since we have two weapons that we could throw on it and then there's some primal stuff i think it's too late to get into primal there's a promising pupil which is the four justice two two with exalted that gets a random battle skill after it hits once primal cards are probably the best cards in the pack they um, certainly are. yeah there's a biting winds there's a brood of aramot yeah so i i but i think it's between fell rocks infiltrator and shard binder yeah I don't know. I guess, I guess. So, are you not interested in the shard binder? Uh, it's fine. Like it's a solid two drop. Uh, we can't use it with much. No, so. we definitely can't use it. I guess it'd be a little speculative. And then also, the value is that people really want to kill it. <laughs> people do really want to kill it. I'll tell you why. Like I think. Um, if we took Felrox Infiltrator, the only reason I would actually want it is because we have those two sidearms, and it's kind of cool to put a sidearm on and then achieve Infiltrator's Mastery in two hits. Uh, and the yeah. Mastery is uh, draw one of the top five cards of your of the enemy player's deck and then discard the rest. It's very strong. But also putting a sidearm on Shardbinder is very good because then it's a 5-2 with Quick Draw and Overwhelm. Um, which is a super hard thing to stop. So I would all, that also would win you the game. Yeah. So this is a tough pick. I guess Shardbinder is probably a little better. We're we're pretty short on two drops. Okay. Yeah, we can take the Shardbinder. Oh, incidentally, because we have this Switchblade Deadeye and we have um, two Blackguard sidearms, uh, it becomes very good when you have a sidearm on it. It's a yes. It's some kind of six-five monster at that point. 
six four, I think. Six four, yeah. Six, but that's quick draw, draw, so yeah. Yeah, it's absurd at that point. Uh, so okay, so this pack, uh, there's a condemn. We're not going to play a condemn, are we? No. No. Uh, so there's a touch of resilience. That's the two shadow fast spell. Give one of your units revenge, and then give revenge to a unit, weapon, or spell in your hand. There's a mithril paladin, another one, um, and then a premature burial, which we're not going to take. The commons. There's a rage heart paladin, and I think that's the only one that we would consider here. Oh, I was seriously considering calibrate. Oh, calibrate. Uh, we could take a calibrate. Sure. We don't have many relics. It would basically be a weak seek power. Yes, and that's what I would be playing it for. Right. Okay. Um. The only card you could talk me off of calibrate for would be if you made a passionate plea for touch of resilience. Yeah, that would be the thing that I would do is is to try to um, plea for touch of resilience. Uh, let's let's see how good that actually is in our deck. Uh, touch of resilience turns on switchblade deadeye, turns it into a four three with revenge uh, permanently because when it comes back, it'll still have the bonus. Okay, I like uh, that. That's pretty good. Um, it's it generates a lot of value if you put it on one of our dark wisps because then you get these chump blocks and draw a card each time. Um, so it kind of fuels itself. It's uh, it's it's good with. I mean, it's good with a lot of our stuff. It's good with rectifier. Um, yeah, with my problem with touch of resilience is it kind of has that um, corrupted griffin thing where it, yeah. you really want to be stalling the game out and. So far, I don't know if this is what that deck is. This deck is doing, but maybe I'm viewing it. I, I don't think you're trying to stall out, but uh, so I think that this is the sort of deck that just sort of generates value over time. Like you are, like you're just sort of uh, like generating uh, gradual card advantage. This is what some of these shadow decks do. Like you've got, you can bring things back from the dead. You can give them exalted. You can bring them back from the dead while you're giving something else life steal with the surgeon saw. Like a lot of the shadow decks are like that, where you just, uh, where you're just sort of incrementally pulling ahead of your opponent each time you play one of these sort of card advantagey things. Uh, Touch of resilience goes pretty well with that because then each of our units gets to do whatever, whatever slightly unfair thing it did again. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think it fits in well with what we're trying to do. Okay. But the, the, the one downside is that we don't have any like big showstopper spell to give revenge. Like it's really cool to um give something like a Nahid's distillation uh or a Aramot's machinations touch of resilience. Yeah. Just think about how much value you get by putting it on Surgeon Saw though. You can do yeah. Well, I guess what, what would happen? The Surgeon Saw casts itself and then you could I mean, it's still good with that for sure. I think that that's how it works. I've never actually seen that interaction. So the I guess you so would it cast itself, and then you could pay three to dark. Right. Yeah, I guess that's what would happen. So that's good. That's good for sure. Even just putting it on. I mean, there's a lot of things you could. We, putting it on immortalize is still good. Putting it on dive bomb isn't bad. Pack conjuring. I mean, there's a lot of there's the there's enough. Okay. All right, uh, this is kind of a card that I always want to work, and it has not worked for me, but I do know that you've been... It's kind of a pet card for you, so is, I want yeah. I want 
it to work. Let's give it a, okay. So let's 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 pray for touch of resilience. This pack is kind of rough. Do you see anything in it even worth describing? No, I mean the display of purpose would be great if we had um, primal, but we don't. Yeah. So well, I think we just take the token of destruction. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's just take token of destruction. Um, There's also a pause for reflection here, but let's just take token, make our, our influence a little more consistent. Okay, so this pack, uh, well, let's just take a Dark Mask Stalker. Uh, there's a Dark Mask Stalker, which is a 4 shadow, shadow 3-5. When a unit goes to the enemy void, Dark Mask Stalker gets its battle skills insanely. And then uh, once it achieves mastery 12, the enemy player discards the top 12 cards of their deck. That's kind of a premium card in shadow, and we're in shadow, so let's go ahead and take it. Um, and then this next pack has, yet again, a bunch of shadow cards. Uh, this contaminating ritual, I don't think we're taking contaminating ritual here, right? That's not a thing that fits into what we're doing. Probably no. not. Um, but there's an entranced cultist. That's the one one for one that gives a unit quick draw when it comes into play. It has corrupted one, so it can do it again on the way out. There's an unfamiliar interloper. That's our stranger that can give any... Um, any color of influence. And let's see, that's kind of it. There's a spore spitter, that's the 4 4 for 6 with pledge that gets lifesteal and unblockable when the enemy player has 10 or more units in their void. Also, a fanatical stranger, that's the 3 1 for 3 when one or more strangers attack, their owner plays a 1 1 cultist. Um, what do you think here? I would kind of lean towards the interloper. Or the cultist? Yeah, those are the two that I think are in contention. And I would lead towards the interloper as well. Yeah. I think it fits into our plan of playing Rooftop Vigilante on three, but otherwise playing Xenon. Yeah, I do think, um, yeah. The thing that cultists, I keep wanting to make this Deadeye cultist deck work. Yeah. Um, we but... only have one Deadeye, though. It's definitely great with cultists. But I don't think we need it. Okay. It, well, I mean, they, it serves it serves a very similar function. Let's can we take a look and see how how badly we need to splash our justice? Well, there's rooftop vigilante, and then that's it. Right. But also, we're probably going to play dive bomb. Yeah, though we didn't have we don't have to if we're talking about not playing justice. Right. Which actually fits into my major juke. Of kindling carver. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, there is a kindling carver in this deck. I forgot to mention it. Yeah, which which uh, kind of goes with the theme of this deck of having a lot of stuff that's great to sacrifice. Yeah, that's true. Um, we do have a lot of stuff that's great to sacrifice. You know what? I didn't even consider that. But if we just didn't play justice, we would have to give up on the vigilante. Um, but that's pretty much it. Then we could play Mark Maker and Kindling Carver. Yeah, and we also took that late seed of impulse and have a token of destruction. So yeah, okay, I don't mind that. Practically everything in our deck is sacrifice is 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 good value to sacrifice. So yeah, let's take a Kindling Carver. Okay. Wow. That was an easy sell. Mm -hmm. I like it. <laughs> and here. We have the Uncommon is Majestic Skies. We're not taking that. Uh, the Shadow cards are another Entranced Cultist and another Switchblade Deadeye. 
um, and also another fanatical stranger. But I think uh, with Cultist and Deadeye on the table, that's what we should be considering. And also there's a couple of Justice cards, mediocre Justice cards. So let's talk about Deadeye and Cultist. Uh, mm-hmm. How many ways do we have to actually activate Deadeye? We have the two, um, we have the two sidearms? Yes, and that seems to be it. Also, if we're playing Fire, we can play Mark Maker. That's another way to activate it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we have three, and they're all on three. And we have Touch of Resilience and Immortalize. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have five. <laughs> Some of them take a little while. And not all of them are on three. Right. Well, okay, so I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit more... I. I I guess I prefer Cultist a little bit. There's a few things that I wouldn't mind putting uh, Quick Draw on. Yeah, I agree, though. There's not a ton. And we also have the two Blackguard sidearms, which That's also true. Quick Draw. That's yeah. kind of making me lean towards Deadeye. I feel like maybe this, that's the wrong pick, but like that's kind of... We can take Deadeye. Yeah, I think we have enough ways to activate it that um, it's probably basically good here. Yeah. Yeah, let's take that eye. This pack, I don't think this pack has anything for us. We can take calibrate. calibrate. Uh, you are blind to calibrate. I am blind to calibrate. I still don't like it very much. Oh, I love the card. It's interesting. Yeah, I think it's just a. It's, I think it's just a terrible seek power. Yeah, but some a lot of decks need that. Uh-huh. <laughs> terrible seek power. Sure. All right. Uh, I'm always so happy when I see my opponent cast calibrate. All right. Um, uh, this pack, uh, if we were still in Argent Port, then this Reborn Master would be pretty cool. Would be a pretty cool guy. Um, it's a that's a it's a two Justice Shadow two three with Endurance, and then your units with two or more battle skills have plus one attack. It wouldn't be amazing though because we don't have anything that has uh, we have hardly anything that can do that on its own. Rooftop Vigilante would be about the only card. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, so there's really nothing else in this pack. No, there's a Sunset Enforcer and a Inferno's, Inferno Zealot, which is pretty good if we did end up taking an Entrance Cultist. But... Oh, actually, Zealot's pretty good with uh, Black Card Sidearm. It's true. Zealot's, Zealot's playable with that. We could, we, could take a, we could take a Zealot, make yeah. this a Black Card Sidearm We're probably not playing deck. a second Enforcer, so... Nah, we're not going to play... Might not play the first one. And then here, uh, there's a Magnificent Stranger. It's a 2-3 two, for 2 Stranger. When a more, one or more Strangers attack, reduce the cost of the top card of your opponent's deck by 2. There's another Switchblade Deadeye that's another Calibrate, which I can see this time for some reason. I guess I just uh, had to adjust my glasses. Yeah. But I think Magnificent Stranger is a pretty good pickup for us here. Yeah, I, could, I like that. And then there's a touch of battle. Um, I guess let's just take a touch of battle. I'm, I, we can figure out whether that actually makes the deck. It seems unlikely, though. And then there's a dive bomb and a rune, make, rune marker. Might as well take dive bomb. And then our last pick is another rage. <laughs> Go figure. So rage, rage made it to the end again. Uh, slow but steady wins the race if you're rage. I, we're playing Fire for Kindling Carver, Mark Maker, and Inferno Zealot, as opposed to Justice, where we would be playing it for Rooftop Vigilante, Siege Provisions, and a couple of dive bombs, basically. Uh, I guess Kindling Carver is so good in this deck that we might as well just go ahead and do that. Okay. We can do we're that. not going to be playing it on turn one very often, but that's not when you want to play Kindling, Kindling Carver anyway. So we have uh, 
So let's see. So in our in our fixing, we have the seed of impulse, and we have a token of destruction. We have a seek power and a calibrate. I would count all of those as power. Okay. Um, and then I think this is probably an eighteen power deck, unless you would disagree with me. There, we have two seven drops, but then the curve is pretty reasonable up until then. Yep. And we also have a Vars favor and a last rights if we want to play that. That's true. Uh, so that'll affect it in the end. But uh, we need to let's let's cut malaise. Yeah, let's make the easy cuts. Make the easy cuts. Uh, that's kind of it. <laughs> that's kind of the easy one. Do we take the sunset enforcer? I, we have a lot of ways to sacrifice, but we do. But we might not need it. We do have some some pretty big stuff to play at this point. Yeah, we can take out sunset enforcer. That leaves us with twenty units. So, um. I don't know how much I need to describe to do this as a podcast. Uh, right now, our units are Kindling Carver, Slumbering Stone, Two Dark Wisps, One Grotov Evangel, Magnificent Stranger, Shardbinder, Switchblade Deadeye, uh, two of them, Amethyst Acolyte, Markmaker, Rectifier, two, Sunset Priest, Dark Mask Stalker, Fear Tracker, Inferno Zealot, Marsh Dragon, Corpse Bloom, and Repul Repulsive Gorger. And then we have our two Blackguard Sidearms. We have one Surgeon Saw. And then our spells are Calibrate, Seek Power, Vara's Intervention, Immortalize, Last Rites, Touch of Battle, Touch of Resilience, Vara's Favor, and Pack Conjuring. Yep. So if we're counting the Seeks, the Seek and the Calibrate as a power, then we just need four more cuts. I think just three more uh, cuts. Three more cuts. So oh. that's pretty good. Um, yeah, so we just need three more cuts then. Um, so we've got... We've got our we've got finishers in this deck. We have uh, if we get to seven power, either corpse bloom or Repuls repulsive gorger will probably lock down the game. Um, but we're definitely we're going to be trying to win with these blackguard sidearms, and that means we need a pretty healthy unit count. Touch of battle uh, does make our switchblade does turn on our switchblade dead eyes, and it's kind of cute to like touch of battle of Vara's favor or something um yeah the other nice thing is touch of battle because it does give deadly to a weapon you could give deadly to your sidearms in hand yeah, that's true so i kind of like it i mean touch of battle i'm a little bit not um objective about because i like it so much but i do think it's good here mm -hmm. like even if do you, you touch think we battle, can play dark both twist. touches or is that too much that's a good question yeah. Uh, I like Touch of Battle better than Touch of Resilience here. Yeah, I can see that, too. We only need to make three cuts, huh? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm kind of not too high on Shardbinder anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would. that was my the first cut that popped into my head, but then... It like you mentioned, it does. If we're our objective is to beat down, it does do well with the side arms and stuff. But it's it sort does, of but also it's kind of like the worst of our two drops now. Yes, I agree. And so we cutting that knocks us down to uh, six two drops. As and then we also have a kindling carver and a slumbering stone. Right, I think that's a fine number of two drops. Mm -hmm. So. We only need to make two more cuts. Um, I guess we could cut last rights since we have a fair amount of fixing for what we're trying to do. This one's tough because I feel like I don't want to cut another unit. 
but that really leaves us with cutting one of the touches, I think. Or pack conjuring, I guess. Yeah, it does. I feel like pack conjuring's probably pretty good for us. We have things like Fear Tracker and Inferno Zealot, and like Dead Eye's fairly likely to be a four power thing when it goes to the when it goes to the void. So this last pick, this last cut is always difficult. How many ways do we have to actually sacrifice things? We have Gorger, Marsh Dragon, Carver, 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 Gorger, Marsh Dragon, Carver. I'm just wondering how much we actually need two Dark Wisps here. I do like them, but we have a lot of things that can be sacrificed. I mean, does the fact that we have two Dark Wisps and Avara's favor mean we could theoretically potentially run 17 power? I'm thinking that might be true, yeah. Yeah, that's like another that's like another um way of getting up to like yeah, cuz most of our cards are two are t- cost two or three. Yes. And then there's a little bit of a jump up to our our uh and we have five cards that cost uh five or seven. Five Fear Tracker, Inferno Zealot, Marsh Dragon, Corpse Bloom, Rep- Repulsive Gordra, and then and then that's it. Otherwise, we really only need to make three power consistently in this deck. And then after that, it's gravy. So yeah, I think it's true. I think we might be fine here with um, with seventeen power. So let's see what the computer does. We've got uh, two fire sigils. That's one, two, three. With the seek power, that's two fire sigils. Seek power, seed of impulse, token of destruction for fire sources for three fire cards. I think that's correct. Okay. So we just need to make sure that we can play our time cards on time. So maybe we take out a shadow sigil and put in a time sigil. Yeah, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven time right now, so yeah. That brings us to eight time. All right. It's kind Great. of a tricky so deck. We'll, we'll post a picture or a screenshot of the deck in the show notes, potentially. All right. Mm-hmm. So shall we try this? Yeah, let's try it out. Our hand is two Shadow Sigils, Magnificent Stranger, Twitchblade, uh, Vara's Intervention, Blackguard, Sidearm, and a Markmaker. We can play two of these cards at this point. Though our dream has was Switchblade into Blackguard Sidearm, so if we draw any power... If we draw any power, then we make it. We only have 15 Sigils in our deck, though. Yes. Uh, let's keep. Let's go ahead and keep it. Let's be brave. Okay. Well, this we might also be a have short... removal. We also have removal for our for our, uh, our opponent's first play, or we can get back our dead eye with the with the intervention. Oh so yeah. We've got a fair amount of play with this hand. Okay. So we're on the we're on the play. So I just play my shadow sigil. Pass. Yep. Our opponent plays a shadow sigil and plays an entranced cultist, giving itself quick draw. So there's a one one over there with quick draw, and that's what we're up against. Uh, might as well play our... Uh, we have drawn a pack conjuring, so we're going to play our Switchblade Deadeye and pass. You're doing great at this, by the way. Thank you. Our opponent plays a Fire Sigil, so they're, at this point, Stone Scar. They're thinking about what they're going to do. Uh, they have cast Malaise on us to discard the top six cards of our deck, and they're attacking for one. Uh, we have drawn a Time Sigil, which allows us to do quite a bit I think the best thing that we can do is to go... Well, let's check and see what's in our void, because that'll change what happens with Pack Conjuring. Uh, so our Pack Conjuring is now very powerful, because we have a Gorger and a Rectifier in our in our void, and an Amethyst Acolyte. 
and then a bunch of sigils. Uh, the Gorger makes it so the Pack Conjuring can hit something for seven. I would say just play the side the sidearm and just attack now. So we can attack for six now with our six four quick draw switchblade deadeye. Yep. There's not and a next... lot that can kill that. Uh, combust might kill it. So our opponent has played another shadow sigil and played Felrock's infiltrator. That's a one one with deadly. It it can chump block our six four quick draw, but it can't do anything else. We've drawn a time sigil. Uh, unless you have a counter argument, I would say first attack with the six four and see if they chump block with something. It's like impossible. That them to uh, kill it in combat. Yeah, they also chose not to attack with their 1-1 quick draw yeah, master. they were planning to chump block, which is in fact what they're doing with it now. So they they are probably going... Well, we I'll just... Instead of conjecture... Yeah, you might, do you want to kill the 1-1? The is that what you... Yeah, we could do that. We don't have to, but it's certainly a possibility. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not kill it? Yeah, you can kill that. Uh, so we're killing the the Felrox Infiltrator with our um, with our Varus intervention, and we're playing our Magnificent Stranger, and ending our turn. So our opponent has a zero one Shade. They're playing another Fire Sigil, so they have two Fire and two Shadow influence. They're playing a Succumb, so we have to sacrifice an uncursed unit of our choice. We're going to sacrifice the Magnificent Stranger. Um, and then we are discarding two cards. That was a Time Sigil and a Seek Power. We're not going to be able to play any of our cards pretty soon. This is fine, though. Uh, yeah, but we are attacking again for six with Quick Draw. Hopefully they don't have another Succumb. That's the only thing that would really wreck us here. Yeah, and, uh, and we drew drawn, an Inferno Zealot. Yeah, wow. we, need, we need Fire, and we don't have it. And we have two Fire cards in our hand. So that's a problem, but so far we're still in the driver's seat. Uh, they're playing a Caleb's Intervention on us to kill the Quick Draw weapon. So that returns our um, our card to a 2-1, and now they're playing a Oni Quartermaster, which is a 2-2 that draws cards when they play a weapon. Uh, and they pass the turn back to us. I'm inclined to kill it with the Pack Conjuring and Decimate to try to find something else to play. Okay, yeah, I, I like that. It's dangerous. It's it's a little dangerous, but also um, we might pick up a weapon or something that can make yeah, the two more dangerous again. So, Savage Stranger? Savage Stranger, yep. The other things are too expensive. All right, we've drawn a Surgeon's Saw. Uh, I think we just play it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's a 5-4 with Lifesteal, and it's going in there again. And our opponent has emoted, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> Because they've gone through so much effort to kill the weapon on our unit. Uh, they have played a Fanatical Stranger. That's our the 3-1 that can generate stuff. Uh, Which means we can't play our Savage Stranger, <laughs> It's or, It makes it worse, that's for darn sure. Uh, yeah, let's not play it. We've drawn or, a Time Sigil. Well, actually, I take that back, right? What, or, do I take what that is, back? What does Savage Stranger say on it? When When does the bonus take place? It ha happens at the end of our end turn. Of, so so theirs, that, theirs would be a 4-1 at the end of our turn. Yes. Mm. But ours would be a 4-3, so we would have... Yeah. So our opponent is now at 3 life due to all the attacking we we're doing. So I think we do play the Savage Stranger. And then we have two units that can provide lethal if they don't have anything that can stop this. And we'll find out soon. So they have a 4-1. We have a 5-4 with lifesteal and a 4-3. They've played another fire sigil. 
they're thinking, they're pausing, their avatar is shimmering, they're attacking with the 4-1, so they are generating a 1-1 cultist, and I believe we let that go. And now they're playing a spore spitter, is that right? Yep. Okay, and that unfortunately has lifesteal and unblockable now. However, we did draw a seat of, uh, of fire, forget what it's called, and I can't see the names of the cards. Uh, we do have our fire influence, so we can give, uh, we can now play our mark maker and give something overwhelming plus one plus one. They have to chump with the spore spitter, so that's they do, not... but they're going to they're going to gain for life. So I guess let's um, mark maker the savage stranger, and that way we'll have two things that are are attacking for five. I imagine the spore spitter will will trade with our dead eye, and then we'll get in for four. Or unless they want to chump block, we'll see what happens. Anyway, yeah, we also they generated have to take a cult. The stranger out. Yeah, they do have to take the stranger out so that they don't take a million damage. So now they're at six life. They still have a four-one. We have a one-one, a three-two mark maker, and our opponent has conceded with another. You've got to be kidding emote, as though we played any unusual cards that game. The surgeon saw was a nice top deck. It was a nice top deck for sure. Uh, that was a lucky top deck, um, but also that was what the deck's supposed to do: was play a dead eye and then make it a, a difficult thing to deal with. So. Good, good first outing for our deck yeah. against an opponent with an unclear plan. <laughs> they were playing Spore Spitter alongside their Malaise, so it wasn't like the Malaise was a blank card. Yeah, let us let us know if you like the, uh, hearing hearing us talk through an entire draft and a game, and if that's something you'd like to hear us do more. Great. Yeah. So that was. I think that was a lot of fun. So um, that will be our show. Thanks again to all our patrons for making the show a success. And for those of you who are not patrons, a reminder to give us a five-star rating review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Join us in our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. And finally, thumbs up all of Raven Dragon's Reddit posts, as well as leave a comment. And don't forget to send in all your 7-1 deck lists you do this week to farmingeternal at gmail.com. And remember to keep on farming. Have a good night. Have a good night. Goodbye. Yeah, for sure. Okay, that was a successful experiment then. I know the draft did take a while, but we all knew that was going to happen. I was just being silly. <laughs> did we? Did we, we did. I I was... That was me being ironic. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. It's difficult to tell sometimes, I know. My sense of humor was, was given to me by Martians. No, no, it's, it's not that. It's actually just most of the time you're so serious. Every time I make a joke, you take me so seriously. So yeah. I just... I was, you know, I was assuming, assuming the worst of your humor. <laughs> <laughs>